1: Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you're having an outstanding start to your Thursday. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power Podcast, the Road to Atlanta Podcast, and the new podcast with Stephen Tolbert and Chris Willis, all at BatteryPower.com as well as at BatteryPower.com. SBN across all forms of social media and free on all podcast platforms. Just hit that subscribe button and that's where we will be. Of course, you can find myself at StatsSAC on Twitter. My name's Sean Coleman. Always a pleasure to be with you. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest from Atlanta. And the latest is this. The Braves have lost a series. Yes, it's a very rare occurrence and, and the last two series that the Braves have lost have come to the hands of the two best teams in the National League, the Los Angeles Dodgers and the New York Mets. And make no mistake about it, it both series were competitive. The Braves easily should have won the Dodgers series, but the Braves, after a 7-3 to loss on Wednesday afternoon to the Mets, now find themselves down two and a half games um, on this, uh, so far on the season against the Mets. We're 90 games into the season and the Braves are now two and a half half games down in the NL East after losing two to three to the Mets. And and it's not hard uh, to see why the Braves lost this series. As a matter of fact, game three, the rubber game of the series would, you know, brought out many of the exact reasons why the Braves lost the series. Charlie Morton, five earned runs, definitely not on top of his game, three walks, only was able to go five innings, the Jesse Chavez came in, gave up two runs himself, the long ball this time actually worked against the Braves, the, the long ball is the only offense the Braves mustered in this series, we'll discuss that in just a moment, but it was the early long ball for the Mets, a solo home run for Mark Canna, for Mark Canna and then a three-run homer for um, Francisco Lindor, and that just kind of deflated, that just kind of took the air out of you know, the Braves' efforts, it seemed, on Wednesday afternoon. Yes, the Braves hit three home runs themselves. Matt Olsen, his 15th. Austin Riley, his 25th. Eddie Rosario, his second of the year. Eddie Rosario showing that the absence and the, the eye surgery that was there to correct, you know, his eye injury, it certainly seems to be working. He has, you know, produced good results since being back, but it was not enough as the Braves lost 7-3. to And the story of this series, again, it goes back to a few things. Number one, the Mets did a good job working the Braves pitchers into high pitch counts. Max Freed, Spencer Strider, and Charlie Morton. Freed and Morton looked nowhere near their top form. And they struggled early when it came to their control. They were only able to each go five innings. Spencer Strider looked pretty good in the one game that the Braves won. And the umpire he had behind the plate didn't help at all. But he wasn't able to go five innings, so the Mets did a good job of working up the pitch counts of the Braves starters, and that allowed for the Mets to get into the Braves bullpen. Now, by the time the Mets were in the Braves bullpen in the two games that they won, they already had the lead and extended it. But the big reason why, to me, the Braves struggled in this series is because you got to have you know tip your hat to the Mets pitching, Max Serger, uh, David Peterson for most of his start, and-, and Chris Bassett on Wednesday. They did very well against the Braves hitters in this series. The Braves had 24 combined hits and walks. They only they had 39 strikeouts. The Braves struck out 13 times in each game in this series and were only able to muster eight or uh, 24 combined hits and walks. So basically per game in this series, the Braves averaged eight hits, hits plus walks per game versus 13 strikeouts. You're not going to win many games with those type of ratios. Now, in this series, the Braves' power shows that they're never truly out of it. The Braves scored in this series eight runs. All of the runs came via the home run. A solo home run from Austin Riley in the first game... The two-run homers from Adam Duvall and um, Olsen in the second game. And then Riley Olsen and Rosario going deep in the third game. So the Braves' power is to the level to where it's going to keep them in games. You can make the argument the Braves are one of the top five most powerful lineups in baseball. But if the Braves are not backing that up with good at-bats overall, they're going to have a hard time beating good teams. And that's what showed up in this series against the Mets. So tip your hats to the Mets. They played good baseball this series. But at the end of the day, the other thing to remember is this, is that yes, while the Braves lost the series to the Mets, they're still only two and a half games out of the division lead. The Braves have four games left before the All-Star break against a team they just beat last weekend. So the Braves are very much, (laughs) nothing is really lost from this series, especially when you consider the fact that the Braves still have 12 combined games with the Mets, nine in August and then three to end the season. So the Braves are going to have plenty of opportunity. There's very little lost from this series other than the fact that they lost the series. The Braves' offense just simply struggled. The Braves' starting pitching struggled. Those are two key areas that have fueled the Braves' success over the past six weeks. And unfortunately, they weren't near their top form. And against a good team, it's likely going to lead to you losing the series. So it's not hard to see why the Braves lost this series. Great to see Austin Riley still producing. Great to see Matt Olsen, two homers for Riley, two homers for Olsen each in this series. That's a great thing to see, but better at-bats moving forward for the Braves are also going to be key to them getting back to winning series consistent, consistently. The good thing is, is that the Braves are going to end the first half of the season going up against the Washington Nationals, and there should be plenty of opportunities for the offense to refind its form before the All-Star break. One player who definitely has found their form in the month of July is Austin Riley. We've talked about how special of a start to the month of July Austin Riley has had, earning NL player of the week honors for the first full week in July and now leads the majors in home runs and ISO. Um, Is there the top of the league in, in OPS, WRC+, WOBA? So Riley is just absolutely locked in right now and is currently over the past few weeks performing like one of the best hitters in the game right now. But the other thing that's starting to come true, is that this all of a sudden hasn't come out of nowhere. Now, Riley's not going to produce like this, you know, over an extended period of time. I don't think it. No, no, no one really does. But my point is, is that Riley's July has catapulted him into the MVP discussion. He and Dansby Swanson both, now don't get me wrong, I think that right now you probably can make a more sound argument for a Manny Machado or a Paul Goldschmidt to potentially be the MVP of the National League, and that's perfectly fine for this season so far, but Dansby Swanson and Austin Riley, for the third straight year, are putting two Braves squarely in that conversation. You had Marcelo Zuna and Freddie Freeman in 2020, you could have made an argument Riley and Freddie Freeman were at least in the top ten consideration last year, but this This year, Austin Riley and Dansby Swanson are are clearly in the running to where if either one of them have just a truly outstanding second half of the season, they really could have a, you know... I don't know necessarily if legitimate shot is there, but there could easily be a lot of logic behind Swanson or Riley being a true MVP candidate, and that's especially true with the fact that Riley now is top 10 in the NL when it comes to home runs, OPS, um, you know, all of those offensive metrics. It's not just that Austin Riley is hitting for a lot of power. His overall offensive production is right up there. It's comparable to anybody's in the National League. For instance, Austin Riley is the first brave, will likely be the first brave since Andrew Jones in 2005 to have 25 or more home runs along with a 900 or better OPS before the All-Star game in a single season. And only Riley, Jordan Alvarez, and Aaron Judge are the three batters, they're the only three batters this year who have reached that threshold in the first half of this season. So Riley is producing, Riley's July has allowed for his offensive production to reach a level that few others in the National League have reached so far, and I do think it puts him squarely in that MVP conversation. At the very least, you could say that he and Dansby Swanson are among the top six or seven candidates so far this season. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see in the second half of the season if Riley and Dansby Swanson can continue to produce as they have in the first half of the season, the Braves could once again easily have two MVP candidates, and in my opinion this year, if Riley continues to produce anywhere close like he has over the past six weeks or so going into the second half, you could see Austin Riley emerge as one of the favorites for the 2022 MVP. But while we're talking about MVP, Another uh, area of conversation that the Braves could certainly talk about is breakout players. You know, we've got Michael Harris, we've got Spencer Strider. Their performances are more focused on Rookie of the Year. And while there's not that many awards that are directly tied to Breakout Performer of the Year, it's hard to argue that many in the National League have had a better breakout performance than Kyle Wright. And the great thing to see, I, I mentioned it on a few occasions, the great thing to see is that Kyle Wright, one of the reasons why his success this year has been sustainable and one of the reasons why we've seen him show the ability to work deep into games, even if he runs into trouble. One of the things that has really helped out with Kyle Wright so far this year is that on the occasions in which he's experienced some trouble early in the game, he has shown a very good ability to get back on track and regain effective form, something that he did not show earlier in his career. But also, Kyle Wright, earlier in the season, was highly effective at missing bats. He was striking out, you know, seven, eight, or more batters per outing but he was also getting ground ball outs. Well, over his past few starts, the swing and miss stuff of Kyle Wright, the ability to produce strikeouts at a high rate, it's not been there as much. You haven't seen a lot of double-digit strikeout efforts from Kyle Wright recently, but what you have seen are 16 ground outs, 11 ground outs, 12 ground outs. That has helped Kyle Wright be able to stay in games and last you know, a good amount of time despite the strikeouts not being at a high as level. A, a, as at a higher rate now as they were to start the season. And that ability to go six or seven innings, that could really come in handy tonight versus the Nationals as the Braves are wrapping up a 20-game stretch in which they've not had a day off, and they also had the bullpen work four or more innings over the past three starts against the Mets. So if the Braves can go into tonight, With Kyle Wright on the mound, he went seven innings, giving up three earned runs against the Nationals his last time out. If Kyle Wright can go six, seven innings, that'll be a big boost to this Atlanta pitching staff because it will allow for the bullpen to get a bit of rest. So Kyle Wright going against the Nationals his last time out, got the win. The Braves start a series against the Nationals, who they just swept last week. You hope that they'll be able to bounce back after a bit of a disappointing series against the Mets, and you also hope that the offense, who will be facing former Brave, um, Annabelle Sanchez for the first time, you know, for, for his first start of the year, you hope the Braves will be able to strike early, get some runs on the board, give Kyle Wright some support, and then Kyle Wright can groove and go, you know, a good distance into the game to set up the bullpen to close out a win. Gonna be a lot of fun obviously you know the the homestand is over the Braves are going to Nationals Park but at the end of the day it's a great opportunity for Atlanta to be able to end the first half of the season with winning ways to hopefully be able to close the gap a bit more in the NL East. Of course, we'll have the latest for you here on the Daily Hammer. The Daily Hammer Battery Power Podcast, Road to Atlanta Podcast, all at batterypower.com, at batterypower.sbn, and across all forms of social media. And free on all podcast platforms. Wherever you choose to listen, that's where we will be for free. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll get the latest updates when content is available. Until next time, hope you have a great day. Go Braves! We'll talk to you again soon here on the Daily Hammer.